You're listening to the Pines Church Podcast. To learn more, visit thepineschurch.com. Good morning, everyone. You guys good? Good. I want to uh, just first off start by saying I am still in the process of healing from a, a gum surgery that I had. So if I sound like uh, Marsha Brady, that's the reason why. I also, some people got that in this room. Some people are like, who the heck is Marsha Brady? So I know that I'm dating myself, but um, I want to thank you for all that reached out and have been praying for me. I definitely feel your prayers and making recommendations on things that I can do to take care of my um, mouth. So I so appreciate that. A couple of things before we get started. I did want to remind everyone that um, we've been talking about giving for the past three weeks. And I know that that is something that unfortunately many of you have been manipulated. You've been abused in that area. And when somebody brings up the subject of giving, there's almost like this, you start to clench up, right? But the Bible, it's such an invitation that the Lord has invited us into. And because, you know, the enemy has used that for harm, we tend to swing the pendulum so far over to the other side that we miss out on the blessing of giving. And so next week, you know, one of the things we've been praying for in this house is to have a permanent house. You know, we set up and tear down and we do it with a joyful heart. But I really sense in my spirit that the Lord has us on the precipice of exiting one season and coming into another. And I do believe that coming into that new season means that we will have a more permanent space that we can make our own. Currently, right now, we rehearse worship in one church. We have men's prayer in another church. We film our messages in another church. So we're grateful for the body of Christ coming alongside us. But you all know when you have that uh, relative come and stay, it's supposed to be a week then it turns into two weeks, then it turns into three weeks, then their underwear is hanging from a chair in the living room. It gets real weird real fast. And so we don't want to be that person. And so we're believing that God has a place for us. Plus, we've been meeting from house to house, but you know, there's so many things that God has put on just in, in my heart to have worship nights, to have prayer nights. And so we want to be praying for that, but we also need to be sowing towards that. So next week is our first ever, we've been in existence for two and a half years, we've never had a service like this, is going to be our kingdom builder service. And what that means is that we are asking each and every single one of you to first and foremost not be manipulated, not to give under compulsion, but to plan, to pray, and to prepare your offering so that you can joyfully bring it into the house. Many of us have showed up on church on a Sunday morning only to have the music playing the heartstrings. You guys remember that commercial? It was like a humane society and they played the Sarah McLaughlin song. Like, I don't, I'm not even a big animal guy, but when I saw that commercial and they're like, in the arms of the angel far I wanted to go rescue every single one of those little dogs. I was like, we need to do something and we need to do it now. And I hadn't even thought about animals, but I was just kind of being, I was kind of being manipulated a little bit. Sarah McLaughlin's voice is not fair and I shouldn't, it shouldn't have been coupled with that message. So there are times that we kind of give and we feel like I have no choice but to. And, that, and, and that's not how God wants us to give. God wants us, you know, the Bible says in Malachi, they brought their tithe into the storehouse. That's really important, that word brought. That means 
that they prayed about what they were going to give. They planned, how are we going to raise this amount? They prepared, let's, bring, let's get it. And then they brought it into the house. So it's no, there's no humanism or emotionalism impacting people. It's directly you seeking and searching out for the Holy Spirit. And I'll say this last thing, because I don't want to make this feel like an infomercial, but we got to talk about the joy and the blessing of giving is this. You may be in a place in your life where you're like, I could only give $10. Give the $10. There have been so many times that I've felt like, well, this isn't going to be enough, so I'm not going to give anything at all. And I was sharing this with the men the other day, and this is something that the Holy Spirit just dropped into my heart. But I was sharing this with the men. When Jesus was preaching to the crowd, the Bible records that there were 5,000 men present. If you take the time to do the math on the women and children, the theologians estimate that there were probably about 15,000 people that were listening to Jesus preach. And the disciples came up to Jesus and they were like, hey, uh, you know, we're way out of town. There's no food. So we need to send these people out or we need to feed them and we don't have enough food. And so Jesus was like, well, why don't you talk to the 15,000 people and collect as much food as you can? And so the disciples asked, sent the message amongst the 15,000 people. And they said, hey, can you give us all your food? We want to collect it so that we can feed everyone. And I want you to hear this. Out of 15,000 people, we know the story. One boy came forward with five loaves and two fish. Now, I'm not a betting man, but I'd be willing to bet that there was more food in that, con- in, in that group of people. In 15,000 people, you're telling me that not one other human being had food on them? But what did they do? They looked at that food as small and insignificant. They looked around and saw 15,000 people and they thought, what is this dried fish going to do? What is this piece of beef jerky going to do? You know, what are these Skittles going to do? And they kept it to themselves. Or they thought, hey, you know what? I got to actually go back. So I can't be thinking about everybody else. I got to be thinking about myself. There was one boy out of 15,000 people that simply said, Jesus asked for something. I got a little something. I'm willing to give what I got. And the Lord, and as the disciples brought it, the Bible records that they mocked the gift. When they told Jesus what they had, they said, we just have a few small fish. Or we barely have these loaves. They had to add these descriptive, negative adjectives to describe what they had. But the Bible says, when it went out of the hands of the disciples and into the hands of Jesus, you know what he did first? He gave God thanks. And as a result, he was able to multiply that seed that that little boy had sowed and be able to feed not only the 15,000, but there was enough extra that they were able to take it and gather it up. So the point is, if we're to unify together, if everybody brings something, many hands make light work, we're going to make a difference. And this ultimately is a seed invested into this community so that when tragedy hits, when opposition hits, when adversity hits, we don't have to be reactive and say, hey, let's raise money so we can get water into people's hands. Let's raise money so we can help somebody, you know, get a car. We can say, we can be proactive and say, there's a need, we can meet it immediately. And that's what the body of Christ should be. It should be a storehouse for those that are lost. And so anyway, next week, our first and best offering, um, Somebody brought this up, and this is really good because many of us don't bring our physical offering into the house. Um, if you go to the 
If you go to our website, it'll say tithe, offering, and then kingdom builders. This will be, kingdom builders will be the special offering. So if you want the money designated to that, $5, $10, whatever it is, pray about it, plan it, prepare it, and bring it. And so I just wanted to make sure that I took the time to say that. Also, we've had a lot of people recently that have been giving their lives to Christ, and I've had a few people reach out to me. So this is kind of, um, this is being spontaneous, as uh, Nicole shared, but a few people have reached out to me about baptism. So I just want to take, by a show of hands, and I know it's dark in here, is by a show of hands, who would like to get baptized in this room? If you would like to get baptized, I want you to go ahead and throw your hands up. Okay, I see. Okay. Okay, guess what? Next week, we are going to have baptisms. I felt this in my spirit. I felt like this was something we should do. Every week, it's getting colder and colder. Just know it's probably going to be a little chilly next week, but who cares? There are people getting baptized under the penalty of death. The least we can do is dip under the water with some leaves falling down. We'll have some blankets. We'll have some sweatshirts to clothe you in, but what an amazing uh, service we can have where we give our first and best, and then we go outside. Um, we'll bring umbrellas, and we'll be able to baptize these precious saints. Again, it's a, it's a public declaration of a personal decision that they've made to surrender their lives to the Lordship of Jesus. And I don't want you to have to wait until the summer. I want to do it now. So because you've reached out to me, and because we're nimble, because we're set up and tear down, we're going to move on a dime next week, our first and best offering, and then we'll all go outside. And you know how we do it at the Pines. It's going to be a party. So we're going to get loud. I don't know if we're going to have ice cream, but we'll have something maybe a little bit warmer and hot chocolate, yeah. You just, just no fireball, okay? Because I know how you, these gas stations be. They got fire. Okay, we're going we're gonna to talk about something else today. No, it's all good. It's all good. Um, but that's what we're going to do next week. So if you want to get baptized, um, reach out to, and I'm volunteering you on the spot, Jamie, you can go ahead and throw your hand up there. Go to Guest Central. We'll get your name. So we'll get you a shirt. We'll get you all that stuff. We'll get you towels so that when you come in, we're prepared for you. And then you can always reach out to us uh, through the week and we'll make sure. And then of course, there's room for spontaneity. So if you want to get baptized in the moment. Last but not least, I want to give a huge shout out to Mr. and Mrs. Matt and Julie Verbert. Yes. Hey man, no excuses. They got married yesterday and they're in the house of God today. Uh, that is absolutely extraordinary. Um, they get the church attendance award. Um, but no, it's an honor to be a part of your journey. I'm so blessed and, and, and so proud of the way that you guys have navigated this. And I know that God has so much blessing in store for both of you. So I'm grateful to see you here. It brings joy to my heart. Uh, it also reminds me of a story. I, I, I'm just going to share this. We have a lot of young people in the room. I'm, I'm just going to share. When Jess and I got married, we got married on a Sunday. And it was a really big deal because you're like, you know, we weren't going to church because we were having uh, our service in the morning. And uh, we had John Bevere. Some of you guys have heard of him. He, mar he married us. And the message was like over an hour long. Is that fair to say? It was, and it was hot. It was an hour long and it was hot. He had a salvation call at the end at our wedding. Um, it was real deal. No, and I kid you not. I kid you not. There's a salvation call at the end, but this is where it gets a little wonky. So Jess and I, we were all done. The, the reception, everybody gave the high fives, gifts, and we ate the cake at four o'clock. And so, you know, we're married. You married couple, you know, <laughs> you know, and uh, instead, Jess and I, we went to church that night. So we didn't consummate our marriage. We went to church. And I remember the pastor looked at us and he said, 
Matt and Jess Joya? And he brought us up and he prayed with us. And then he said, you have to leave this church immediately. <laughs> There's no way. Like, you've done your due diligence. You get the award for, like, you're sold out. We get it. But leave. So I do not recommend that in hindsight. When you are married, like, you don't have to go to church immediately that day. So... Anyway, I just thought I'd share that story, but here we go. I want to share um, a message. This is kind of bubbling up in my spirit. I'm going to be a little bit all over the place. Those of you that have been with me for a long time know that I'm usually pretty calculated in where I go, but for whatever reason, I couldn't quite um, harness or lasso this one in, and that's not a discouragement. That's actually really encouraging because I think that it means that the Holy Spirit is going to drop things in real time that he's wanting to share. And I came across this word and I was fascinated by it. I heard another minister share it and I'd never even heard this word nor seen it before, but it's an actual term and it's called rewilding. And the definition of rewilding is, and I believe we're going to have it up on the screen, the process of restoring an area of land to its natural and uncultivated state. So in other words, there are certain areas, and I think we can appreciate this here in Maine, that man comes in and over-cultivates. Okay? Think wind turbines, think, you know, like everything, right? And it comes to this point where all of a sudden we look And we've lost the majesty and the beauty and the wildness of nature because we've come in with our bricks, paved paradise, and we put up a parking lot. You remember that song? And so there's this process of over-cultivation. It's an excessive, and over-cultivation is, I I went ahead and this isn't going to be up on the screen, but it's, it's an excessive degree in the growing of crops so that the soil quality is degraded and productivity is reduced. So there are some areas that we look at and we say, hey man, this is fertile soil. We can grow crops here. Farmers have been growing crops for years. Why don't we step in and we can go ahead and kill the bugs. We can kill the rodents that eat some of the harvest and we can actually expand even further. And there is a result of man thinking that he can do a better job than God. We end up actually damaging the soil and hurting the crop. We see this in our current food chain and supply. These boxed and canned items that we all pick up that allegedly come from the ground are lacking in nutrients. We're seeing diseases and sicknesses that we did not previously see just 20 years ago. Red dye number five, nitrates, thoroughbromine, all these things that we can't pronounce. If I challenge you to pick up a box and begin to read through everything that's in that box. And you may think, wow, I thought this was just potato chips. But there's so many things that have been added to that. And what that does is it actually denigrates. It's been over-cultivated by man. God gave us potatoes and we had to make something else. It's like that meme that I see all the time. They're like, they're milking almonds. They're like, why are they milking almonds? They want milk. I've already given them milk. They don't like that milk. They want milk from almonds. And so man's overzealous and ambitious desire to produce and, and, and to multiply 
we, start, we try to cut corners of what God is trying to do. In the, in the illustration of, is of what I'm trying to make, the comparison is that this is a, a terminology that's used for nature, but can easily be ascribed to the church. We can all agree that in our zeal for the Lord, we have overproduced, we have overmanufactured, we have overhyped, we have become theatrical in commercialism, in consumerism, and churches begin to look more like corporations than collection of believers studying, praying, giving, and worshiping the Lord. And Paul says we have to take an honest look at ourselves and see where we line up on that spectrum. You see, there needs to be a rewilding in the church. There needs to take an honest look and say, where did we pick up these man-made traditions and implement them as sacred cows because we should not have any sacred cows in the house of God. But there are things that we do today that they did not do in the book of Acts. You know, Dallas Willard said this, a fundamental mistake of the conservative side of the American church today in much of the Western church is that it takes as, as its basic goal to get as many people as possible ready to die and go to heaven. It aims to get people into heaven rather than to get heaven into people. The Bible is a book written by disciples for disciples. You know, the word Christian... Most of us would check the box or ascribe as a Christian. But do you know the word Christian is only found three times in the New Testament? The word disciple, 269. Where do you think God is putting his emphasis? What is a disciple? It comes from the, re, the, the root word discipline. It means that we submit our lives to the lordship of Jesus. It's not just checking a box. It's not just, I know I should take care of my body. I should take care of my spirit. I should take care of my mind. So I'm willing to give it an hour. No, we die to ourselves to become who Christ intended us to be. You've heard me say this, that sometimes the hardest thing to lay at the foot of the cross is not our sin. It's not our addiction to pornography, our addiction to greed, our anger, or our malice. It's our opinion of ourselves. Because we have to die to ourselves. And there are so many labels that we've taken on and we feel like this is who I am. My career. I am a lawyer. That is who I am. That is what you do, but that is not who you are. We fall under this fallacy in our culture. And we look at ourselves through the lens of this is our career, so this is who we are. But that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says that he penned every moment of our life 
before a single day passed. There is a book written about you in heaven, a calling and a purpose. We have been adopted into the household of faith. We are now sons and daughters. God does not look at you as a lawyer. God looks at you as royalty, a son of God. And we have to get our eyes out of the mirror of culture and into the word to truly understand our reflection, our image, and our likeness. We were created in the image and likeness of God. And so Jess and I and the leaders at the Pines, we have no interest in playing church in checking a box, of going through the motions. We are interested in the process of discipleship and transformation. We exist to develop uncompromising followers of Christ who transform their world. Somebody the other day came to me when, when I was really in pain three weeks ago. And I mean, it was, it was, it was hard, dude. It was hard when I was preaching. And they, and, and they looked at me and they said, why did you go to church? And, and I, I didn't get upset with them, but I thought to myself like, because this is important. This mat, what I do matters. Like, I, I, this, is, this matters. I wouldn't have uprooted my family, moved across the country to, to a place where I didn't know one human being to plant, to start a church, unless the Lord Almighty had asked me to. What I do matters. But you know what's even more important than what I do? What you do. I, I hold the office of a shepherd of the house, of a pastor. My job is to equip you. You are the ones that go out into the world and make a difference. You are the ones that impact your sphere of influence for Christ. You are the ones that are advancing the kingdom of heaven in a world and culture that is counter to the kingdom of heaven. What you do matters. What I share on a Sunday morning matters. What the word of God has to say about you matters. The disciplines that you implement in your life matter. They carry into eternity. They translate into eternity. We fret about so many things that are temporal. They're here today and they'll be gone tomorrow. But the relationships that we steward, the fruits of the spirit that we steward are eternal. We bring them with us. And so that is what really matters. And so when we go to church, we have to look at it. It's not just a box that we're chipping or what can the church offer to me, but what rather can I offer to the church? Robert, John F. Kennedy's famous words, ask not what you can do, ask not what your country can do for you, but what you can do for your country. That used to be a rallying cry in our nation. That used to be something left, right, Democrat, Republican, we could all come together and say yes to that statement. I don't know if we can say that anymore. I think we live in a nation that's looking to be handed out things. What can my nation do for me? If I don't like what you're doing, then you're not my nation. But I'm not here to judge though, even though I'm making that audacious claim. I'm merely bringing that up to say that that's actually a reflection on the church. 
Because the Bible says that judgment begins in the house of the Lord. And as the church falls, morality falls, conviction falls, discipline falls, holiness falls, so goes the church. And this is what happens. Somebody asked me this the other day. And they're like, yes, it is true that darkness has no choice but to dispel when light comes into the room. But as darkness is there, if light keeps moving backwards, guess what takes over? Darkness. So if I'm willing even just to stand my ground and not move, darkness can't go any further. And if I have the audacity and the faith to keep moving forward, now darkness has to retreat. But what we've seen is a towing of the line for long, but then it almost feels as if we're walking backwards. And darkness is blanketing our nation and we're sitting here scratching our heads wondering why. And it could be a result of simply going through the motions and not taking what we do serious. There needs to be a rewilding in the church going back to the basics of studying God's word, of prayer and intercession, of giving, giving to the point where it's a sacrifice. It's a sacrifice of praise. I don't feel like praising right now. No, we've been called to be kingdom builders. And I want to define that. We're, giving, we're taking a kingdom builders offering next week. A kingdom builder is one who devotes his or her God-given talents and gifts to build the kingdom of God. 1 Timothy 4.8 says this, Godliness is profitable for all things, having the promise of the life that now is, the life that we're living in the life that is to come. So godliness, we can actually be uh, broken down and defined as obedience, is going to prosper and bless your life in the here and now, but also in the life to come. The problem, I believe, in the church is that we often list things that we should be obedient to. We categorize them. This is really important. This is not that big of a deal right? Shouldn't murder people, shouldn't steal, shouldn't lie. But do I really need to read my word? Do I really need to evangelize? Do I really need to, you know, go to that prayer meeting? Like, that's not that important. I'll just stay away from these things, and I should be all right. But let me just remind you that Adam didn't get kicked out of the garden for snorting a line of cocaine, Adam didn't get kicked out of the garden, right, for jumping in bed with a prostitute. He got kicked out of the garden for simply disobeying God. And so we need to make sure that we are following in godliness and obedience so that it not only does it bless and prosper our lives in the here and now, but in the life that is to come. C.S. Lewis also we're just picking out a page of C.S. Lewis's book, said this, if you read history, you will find that the Christians who did the most for the present world were precisely those who thought of most of the next. It is since Christians have largely ceased to think of the other world that they have become ineffective in this. The Bible says that our life is but a vapor here, here today and gone tomorrow. It's all we know, so it feels like a long time. But as you start to get some mileage and some years under your belt, 
Talk to some of the guys that are missing hair and some of the silver hair in this room and they will tell you, you're graduating high school and bam, you're 45 and you have back pain. It goes by very, very fast. 90 years, 95 years on this planet. It goes by so quick. And that, in comparison to living for all of eternity in one of two places, where does our mind really need to be? Must we fret about things that are impacting us in this 90 years? Or should our eyes be focused on the eternal? And if our eyes are focused on the eternal, if we have an eternal mindset, will navigate the trials and tribulations of this life in a different way. You could even say that things won't actually get to you as much because you know that this is just temporary, that you're just a sojourner on this planet. But we get so enthralled with this world when we consume and we feed on CNN and Fox News and people still watch MTV? I don't know. Like, is that still a thing? Like, is that still a show? Okay. But we consume this media and it becomes like, oh my gosh, Jada Pinkett Smith said this. Oh, what are you going to do? You know, and that's like all we're thinking about. And meanwhile, we've been called to be a citizen of heaven and the world is looking for those lights in the world. If you're talking about the same mess that they're talking about, then you're not really being a light to them. Okay, I, got, I got to keep going, man. There's so much I, I want to share and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lay in this plan, I promise. Okay, this is so important. I've, I made mention of this in our men's prayer, which by the way, I mean, men's breakfast was absolutely amazing. Thank you guys for coming out. Yeah, you can go ahead and cheer or do whatever you want. Um, I do got to say one thing. Jess was like, how long did you talk? And I was like, oh, I think I talked like 15 minutes. And she's like, hopefully people come back next time. So I want to apologize if it went too long. We're going to have some other things going on. We're still working out all the kinks. But I was just passionate and excited. Thank you, Rick. I knew I would get an amen from you, dude. Um, but Jess was like, ooh, that is a long time. That's, um, but moving right along. I've made mention of this. I, I've talked about this. And um, I think it's important for you to be able to get this scriptural context because this is really an elementary doctrine. In other words, you need this as a foundation in your walk as a believer to make right decisions. Okay? In 2 Corinthians 5.10, it says this. Hold on. 2 Corinthians 5.9, it says 5.10, but it says this. So we make it our goal. There it is. That's actually 2 Corinthians 5.9. I put it down incorrectly, but we're going to go into 2 Corinthians 5.10. But so we make it our goal to please him, whether we are here at home in the body or away from it. So Paul is saying that we make it our goal, we make it our aim to please God and not please man. When we die to ourselves, we die to the rejection of man and the praise of man. So there is nothing that you can say or do that is going to break me as a man of God. If I was impacted by your praise or by your rejection, then I would formulate messages that would tickle your ears all the way to hell. But because I am not trying to keep you, because this is not my kingdom, it is the Lord's, I am going to preach the full counsel of God, knowing that some of you might say, I don't like the way that he shared that. And you might leave, but that's between you and God, not me. I have a responsibility and I will be judged at a higher standard to preach the full counsel of God's word. And you deserve to hear the full counsel of God so that you're not ignorant, ignorant in this world. You know the old saying, ignorance is bliss? 
that's true except for when it deals with self-awareness. If, if you're moving and walking in the wrong direction, you want to know the truth because you don't want to end up on a road that you never intended to be on. Ignorance is bliss when it comes to how they make a hot dog. Sure, I don't want to know how you do that, man. Just give me the hot dog. I don't want to know what's in there. Um, but it's not, it's not bliss when it comes to your, you walking out your, your salvation with fear and trembling. So let's go on to 10. 2 Corinthians 5.10. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ that each one may receive the things done in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. What is he saying? He is saying that every single person in this room is going to stand before God at the white throne judgment. You will not give an account of your sins, okay? Because your sins have been taken care of by the blood of Jesus. God does not bring your sins back up. God says when you repent, and you ask for forgiveness, your sin is as far as the east is to the west. He doesn't remember it anymore. But we will have our lives examined according to what was written in his book, his calling, his destiny, his purpose on our life. So we want to live our lives in such a way that they mirror what he wrote. And it says that this judgment we will receive according to what we've done either good or bad. So we can do things that don't align with God's will and we can do things that align with God's will. That word judgment comes from the Greek word krima, which simply means this, a decision resulting from an investigation. God is going to do an investigation of your life. And that investigation is going to comprise of what was written in his book, of what he called you to do, and what you actually lived out. This is why it's so important that we're connected to the Father. This is why it's so important that we pray without ceasing. What, I gotta go lock myself in a closet and sit there and pray and not have any relationships? No, that's impossible. God calls us to be salt and light. He wants us to be in the world, not of the world. To pray without ceasing means that you have an open spirit to hear the voice of the Lord. You're not thinking about what's going to happen in episode four of Loki. You're thinking about, Lord, I'm in Starbucks. I'm in a hurry. But if you have something for me in this room with somebody, I want to be obedient to share. I want to be obedient to give. I want to have the presence of mind to serve the needs that are around me. Remember the story of the good Samaritan. The man was beaten within inches of his life, lying on the road for dead. And the priest came by and goes to the other side of the road and walks by to guess what? Go do the Lord's work. And then the Levite came by, did the same exact thing. God's people, Levites. And then the Samaritan comes and he stops what he was doing because he had the eyes to see and the presence of mind to, to, to discern and he bandaged him and he clothed him and he, and, he, and he gave him money and he brought him to an inn and he took care of him. This is what we've been called to do. Jesus says go and do likewise. 1 Corinthians 4 5 says this, so don't make judgments about anyone ahead of time. Meaning that you shouldn't judge those around you. 
before the Lord's return. For he will bring our darkest secrets to the light and will reveal our private motives. Then God will give to each one whatever praise is due. You cannot judge somebody's motives. We can look at their fruit, we can look at their actions, but you cannot judge somebody's motives. That is reserved for God and for God alone. The Bible says to believe the best in one another. 1 Corinthians 3.13. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start closing here, okay? I promise. I'm going to be done in four minutes, okay? On the judgment day, fire, judgment day, with Christ, white throne judgment, fire will reveal what kind of each work or what kind of work each builder has done. The fire will show if a person's work has value. Every single one of you has a gifting and every single one of you has a calling. It's okay for you to use that gifting in your career to, make a, to, make, to bring home a livelihood for your family. It's okay. But are you only using that gifting to benefit and to bless yourself and not for others? Not okay. Are you using this gift to further the kingdom? Or do you have a natural perspective? The 90 years instead of the eternity. And so God says, I'm going to take all your works, everything you've done, every prayer you've uttered, every dollar you've given, every time you gave of your time, every time you encouraged and championed someone, made a phone call, sent an email, sent a text message to check on everyone, and I'm going to put it to the fire. Every time you utilize that gift of yours, I'm going to put it to the fire. It goes on in 1 Corinthians 3.14. If the work survives, that builder will receive a reward. 1 Corinthians 3.15. But if the work is burned up, the builder will suffer great loss. The builder will be saved. Yes, your salvation, it's secure. You're not like, you're saved, you're not saved. You're saved, you're not saved. You're saved, you're not saved. Crossed out, crossed in. Crossed out, crossed in. No, when you've surrendered your life to the Lordship of Jesus... You've committed your life to him. He's never going to leave nor forsake you. Now, that does not mean that you can't completely abandon and walk away from him. Okay? But if you're doing your best to live for him, God's grace is going to be poured out every single day. But read, the builder will be saved, but like someone barely escaping through a wall of flames. In other words, everything you've done has been burned up because you utilize the gifting, the wisdom, whatever God put on your life for yourself and not to advance the kingdom of heaven. I'm going to close. <laughs> I said that five times. I'm going to invite the worship team. Yeah, Nicole, back up here. Because if you don't start playing, I'm just going to keep going. But I'm going to ask you to stand, actually. I want to read this as a declaration. I know that this is super sobering. It's super heavy. But it's not meant to, to, to bog you down. It's meant to actually awaken you. To wake you up. It's like a jolt of espresso in the morning. So you say, man, man, I was wandering off there. I needed somebody to kind of across the face so I could come to it. Because I want, I want every single one of you. We need, the body of Christ needs what you have. There are people in your life that need you to awaken to the calling and the anointing that God has placed on you. They're waiting. They don't even know it. But they need your light to shine to give them proof that God exists. Often our lives are the only Bibles that people are going to read. People don't want to step foot in a church. They've been hurt. They think it's weird. They've seen it on television. But they're in relationship with you.
And when they see God bless and prosper your life, it's proof that what he did for one, he can do for another because God is no respecter of persons. Your life matters. You are created on purpose for a purpose. There are things I need in my life that you steward and carry. And hopefully there are things that I carry and steward that can, that can be transferred to you. And we sharpen one another and we champion one another and we encourage one another and we grow together. Man, I'm sweating up here. <laughs> The Bible says in Psalm 112.1 out of the NLT, how joyful are those who fear the Lord and delight in obeying his commands. To fear the Lord means to venerate him, to have awe and reverence. That means to take his statutes and to obey the truth of his word. Not to be wishy-washy, casual. I'll do it when I feel like doing it. Come see, come saw, so-so. That's all I got out of French. Psalm 112, too. The children will be, their children, those who fear the Lord, those who are, will obey, who draw a line in the sand and say, I'm not living for myself anymore. I'm going to live for God. This is the promise and the inheritance to you. Their children will be mighty in the land. The generation of the upright will be blessed. We need some mighty children growing up in this dark world. There's such an assignment of the Lord on this generation. I know my wife has shared, I think that's why they have unique names because they're called to do things that none of us have ever even seen before. And so they can't even have the name that's been passed down to been passed down. They are called to do mighty things unto the Lord. But guess what? They need in a, in a generation of adults to call them up, to call out their gifts and their strengths, to build them, to share their mistakes and their failures so that they can learn from them. Psalm 112.3, they themselves will be wealthy and their good deeds will last forever. That wealth isn't just tied to your finances, although it certainly applies to that. It means that you will prosper in every sphere of life. You will prosper in the health of your body. You will prosper in your mind. You will prosper in your heart. You do not have to be tied to anxiety and depression and fear and worry. God has set you free from those things. He says, if you obey my word, they will be in your rear view mirror. You will prosper in every sphere of life. And I just want you to position your heart. I'm going to pray over you as a declaration that this seed of this word would get rooted inside of your heart. That it wouldn't just be like, oh, that's good. Here's a little hand clap. But know that it would, it would grow into fruition, changing your behavior, cultivating your disciplines, enhancing your ability to hear his voice, to make wise decisions over your finances, to pull down creative ideas and strategies from heaven, to spin up businesses and opportunities to bless others. So position your heart. I want to pray this over you. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for everybody under the sound of my voice. I thank you for the yes inside of their spirit, their hunger, their appetite, their desire to do good, to be obedient to your word. Lord, if their reading of the Bible has been dry, I ask that you would light it on fire. If their prayer has felt like they're talking to the sky, I pray that they would position their ear to hear your voice, that you would speak to them in a way that they can understand 
Father, remove the wrong influences out of their life and bring the right ones in. Help them to see themselves the way that you see them. I break every cursed word that's been spoken over their life. I break every lie that's been spoken over their life. I pray that the calling and the destiny and the purpose that you place on the inside of them would grow into fruition. That there would be an excitement, a holy discontentment for going through the motions and a zeal to run after you and to pursue you like they've never pursued you before. And I pray that as they start this journey, that every action performed and every word spoken would bring glory and honor to your name. Father, knit our hearts together in this room. Help us to make a difference in central Maine. We just declare that you are doing something here in central Maine and making it hard to go to hell from Bangor, Brewer, Orno, Old Town, Charleston, Hamden, Holden, all of the surrounding towns. God, we give you all the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you all so much. I love you all. Appreciate you. Next week, baptisms, Kingdom Builders offering. Can't wait to see you. Until then, Godspeed. Thank you so much for listening to the Pines Church Podcast, a sermon resource provided by the Pines Church in Bangor, Maine. We'd love to hear from you, so leave us a review on this podcast. If you have any questions, visit thepineschurch.com. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time.